Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Friends, welcome to Praying for America. Great to be with you uh, tonight as we conclude the month of February, which is Black History Month. And therefore, I want to reflect tonight upon a yeah, somewhat explosive topic, the racist history of the Democrat Party. Uh, this was brought once again powerfully to my mind by some commentary I was listening to the other day from Mark Levin. And uh, I'm just going to go through some of the points he made and and expand on them a little bit, because this is important for us, for our children and grandchildren to know, for our fellow citizens to understand, and for voters to take into account when they consider whether or not it's a good idea for America, for which we are praying on these programs, to give any kind of power at all to the Democrat Party. Uh, I say it's not. I think that, that the institution itself has become so corrupt uh, that the best thing for America is that if this party goes out of existence, and, uh, and, and, and I'll continue to be con convinced of that uh, as long as it embraces the radical destructive policies that it's currently embracing. Um, we'll give you some ammunition on this and uh, some, uh, uh, some really tragic historical facts. We'll go through a litany here tonight. Friends, we're going to pray for you. Let us know where you're from. Let us know that you're here. Let us know how we can pray for you. Uh, your intentions are always important to us, not only as we pray during this program, but as we pray each and every day. Our whole team here at Priests for Life keeps you in prayer. Tomorrow morning, I'm heading to uh, CPAC and uh, looking forward to uh, interacting with all our friends and colleagues and uh, uh, fellow conservative leaders there at CPAC 2023. It's going to be great. Our scripture, Acts 17, of starting in verse 24, uh, here's what it says. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day by which he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Let us pray. Lord, you have made us one race, the human race. We have descended from Adam, the first man. And in Christ, the new Adam, you have created a new humanity and given us even deeper unity 
with one another. We praise you, Lord, for that unity of the human family on the natural and the supernatural level. Let us deepen that unity because that unity is good for America. That unity is important for our nation. Help us, Lord, to live as true brothers and sisters, embracing the very truth that pulls us together. We ask this in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen. Well, this passage I read for you is one of the most quoted passages by our friend and colleague, Dr. Alveda King, who has worked full-time for my ministry for some 16 years. I met her back in, uh, first met her in 1999. We were both speaking at a Right to Life conference in New York, and we've had her here, of course, on these programs. And she points out, you know, we have different ethnicities, but we are one race, one blood, the human family. And in that, we must always rejoice. That's got to be the basis for all our efforts and for the good of our nation. And she points out we're not colorblind. We're not supposed to ignore the differences in skin color or ethnicity. We're supposed to celebrate and welcome those differences, recognizing that they are there, that they enrich our diversity, enriches us and our society. But at the same time, it does not create a basis for inequality. It does not create a justification for unequal treatment. Not at all. We are one. And the unity we have in Christ Jesus by faith deepens that unity even more. We have, um, therefore, in our society today, one of the things uh, eating away at our nation is not just racism, but the abuse of racism, the abuse of the very idea of racism. Uh, some religious leaders are quite uh, naive about all this, and they jump on the bandwagon of, oh, let's have, you know, a march against racism, and let's preach against racism, and let's issue a document against racism. And meanwhile, they don't know the first thing they're talking about because they don't analyze deeply things like critical race theory and its roots in the overall critical theory, which denies objective truth, denies individual uh, merit and individual human dignity, uh, sees people in a collective way determined uh, by the group that they belong to. Uh, as to whether or not they are going to be enemies or friends. And it's a whole deeply anti-Christian mindset, anti-Christian. And you've got Christian religious leaders jumping on this bandwagon. Oh, let's have a march against racism. For goodness sake, I've never seen a more naive group of people. And uh, various Catholic bishops are involved in this and leaders in other denominations. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a joke. It's a circus. Uh, we've got to think sanely and soberly. And I want to show you um, one of the disturbing uh, clusters of facts. I'm going to read it here, then I'm going to go to the board and, and write it there too. Mark Levin, we recently in one of his commentaries, uh, went on for about two minutes about, uh, he was talking about reparations, okay, this, this silly idea. Um, yeah, reparations. Let's start paying people for sins that people committed uh, a couple hundred years ago. Um, he said, well, you know, if you even entertained for a moment the idea of reparations, who, 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 should, uh, who, who should be responsible for paying them? And you know what he said? The Democrat Party. And then he went into this litany. Let me just read it for you. 
says the Democrat Party fought for and supported slavery. No, I didn't say fought slavery. I said fought for slavery. The Democrat Party, after the Civil War, helped foster the Ku Klux Klan. This is, this is tragic. The Democrat Party promoted segregation. The Democrat Party opposed federal anti-lynching laws. Democrat governors blocked black kids from going to school with white kids. The Democrat Party filibustered the 1964 Civil Rights Act. The Democrat Party supported Jim Crow, poll taxes, literacy tests. It was Democrats on the Supreme Court who upheld slavery. Taney, the Chief Justice at the time, and then the issue of Plessy versus Ferguson, the case Plessy versus Ferguson. Democrat Supreme Court justices upholding slavery and segregation. And then it was Joe Biden, current Democrat in the White House, who opposed vigorously busing during his early years in politics. You know, let's go to the board and let's let's put this stuff down because this we have got to ingrain this in our minds. You know, and you contrast with this, I mean, how many people could answer the question, who was the first Republican president and what did he stand for and how was the party created? First Republican president was Abraham Lincoln. The party was created around the whole idea of uh, stopping slavery, opposing slavery, upholding human dignity. And here we've got the, I mean, and, and the pattern continues because right now the slavery issue of our day is abortion. And it's the Democrat Party who is enslaving the unborn considering them to be non-persons, erasing them. They want to erase them from the mental, moral, and legal landscape of America. That's what the Democrat Party wants to do. The Republican Party, just as they oppose slavery, they're opposing abortion. They're, they're trying to include in the circle of welcome of the human family these youngest of human beings, the children in the womb. I mean, this whole thing is, I mean, is it really surprising? Because when you look at abortion, look at the abortion industry, even Planned Parenthood now admits it was founded in racism. Margaret Sanger was a racist. So I, I, I just, and there's so many people ignorant of this. Democrat Party. Racist. In its roots. What did they do? They supported and fought for slavery. Talk about the need for repentance, reparation. Religious leaders out there, you want to have a march against racism? Start with this. Start with acknowledging this. Put this in, in, uh, in some of your speeches. Acknowledge this. Say it. Say it. Say the words. Teach it. Enlighten people about it. Point number two. Fostered the Ku Klux Klan.
Between 1877, some of these notes say, and 1910, the KKK fueled the Democrats' push to establish one-party rule and Jim Crow. A coalition of Democrats, Klansmen, Red Shirts, Rifle Clubs, and White Leagues targeted freedmen and their allies, utilizing ballot fraud, intimidation, and murder. They fostered the KKK. Number three, they promoted segregation. Promoted, which is not a typo. They promoted segregation, not opposed it. The shame. Democrats took over power in the Southern legislatures starting in the 1870s and used intimidation tactics to suppress black voters. A common form of terrorism practiced against blacks to intimidate them were lynchings. Southern Democrats took over legislatures in the uh, former Confederate states. They passed more restrictive voter registration and electoral laws as well as passing legislation to segregate blacks and whites. Number four, they opposed federal anti-lynching laws. They opposed federal anti-lynching laws. Why? Maybe some Democrat leaders today want to explain why. Why would you why would you do that? I don't understand. Why would you do that? And and where are the religious leaders speaking of about this? I'm asking. Where are the religious leaders speaking up about this? How many religious leaders today are telling their people the racist history of the Democrat Party. You know what they do instead, some of these religious leaders? They sit back. I remember before the I remember before the uh, presidential elections with President Trump running, some of these uh, Catholic cardinals sitting back in their palaces. Right, I vote for the other guy. I'll vote for the other guy. The, 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 the downright stupidity of it. it. It just is unbelievable. Okay, Democrat governors, number five, blocked school integration. They blocked black kids from going to school with white students. Again, why? Why? You talk about reparation. You know, reparation is not, to my mind, something simply monetary. How about reparation ideologically, intellectually, conceptually, and spiritually? coming against the sick, demented, 
evil, corrupt ideas behind these policies, behind these efforts. I mean, when, when, when Brown versus Board of Education came out in 1954, reversing the decision from uh, 56 years earlier um, under uh, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, 58 years, I should say, earlier, Southern white political leaders, largely Democrats, condemned the decision and vowed to defy it. So here you had the Supreme Court correcting a major social mistake in America. That was that that took 58 years, just like they co just corrected the major social mistake of legal abortion after 50 years. And you got the Democrats defying the very decision that started leading us in the right direction. One of the example I mentioned about governors, take uh, Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia, in 1954, in August, okay, again, Brown versus Board of Education, decision comes down, and Virginia Democrat Governor Thomas uh, uh, Banson Stanley creates a commission in order to defy that Supreme Court decision. And to just... And this is the history. Look it up. It's the history. Point number uh, six. We're running out of room here, so let me just put it up here. The Democrats filibustered the Civil Rights Act. Nineteen sixty-four. The majority of congressional opposition to the nineteen sixty-four Civil Rights Act came from whom? Came from Democrats. Now, for nearly a century, they relied. Now, we've had programs here on this series about the filibuster. We'll go back to it, explain it again. Uh, in, in a future program. Um, but, you know, this is where, you know, a single senator can say, hold on, I don't want to go, I don't want to proceed with this particular bill. I don't want, I don't want to get a, I don't want us to come to a vote on this particular bill. I have this objection. I have that objection. And, and then it's not a majority of the Senate that's needed. It's 60 votes that's needed to uh, overcome that filibuster. And that's a high threshold to uh, gather for, to garner for any, any kind of consensus. But for nearly a century, the Southern Democrats in the Senate relied on the filibuster, as well as some other congressional procedures, to prevent the passage of civil rights legislation. I mean, how many people are talking about this? When's the last time you heard a conversation about this, or even the acknowledgement of this fact? It was known as the longest debate. A century. The longest debate, the struggle to overcome the, the, the Senate fist filibuster, and yet that was the seminal event that enabled the 64 civil rights legislation to finally pass after the century of opposition overcoming the filibuster. What did they also do? Number seven, let's just squeeze it in here. Supported Jim Crow. The Jim Crow laws. Supported Jim Crow poll taxes, and literacy tests. 
this is all about keeping keeping blacks from voting. So in the 1870s, the white Democrats gradually returned to power there in the South as a result of elections in which there was a lot of intimidation by paramilitary groups which were either attacking blacks or just preventing them in other ways from voting. Democrats had taken back, the white Democrats had taken back power in every state, and then this was followed in these states by Democrat uh, legislation of Jim Crow laws segregating the blacks from the state's uh, population. So starting in, uh, with Mississippi in 1890, through 1910, the former Confederate states passed new constitutions, new amendments, effectively disenfranchising most of the blacks and tens of thousands of poor whites. And that's where these poll taxes came in and these literacy tests and uh, residency and other uh, record keeping requirements. One other point, let's just make a little more room here. The Supreme Court, when we had these uh, pro-slavery, um, that's Dred Scott, as you know, and pro-segregation, that's the Plessy decision. Who was it that was making this happen? Democrat justices on the Supreme Court. Dred Scott and Plessy decisions, terrible decisions, staining uh, human history. Well, what I'm pointing out to you here today is that it was the Democrat Party that put this stain on American history. Just look it up. There they are. There they are. Let's sit down here. Um, you know, I, I just... I've got a lot of reasons for saying that the Democrat Party should not be in power. I'm a pro-life leader. I'm a human being who thinks that it's wrong to, you know, slice babies apart and call it a legal right. Democrats love to say that. They want to spend more money for abortion. They want to take away all of the restrictions on abortion. And this sick mindset, every, you know, the more I learn about this kind of history, I see the same disturbing mindset. The same disturbing mindset that wants to take entire categories of human beings and based on one or another characteristic, here it's skin color, and in the case of abortion, it's age. Because of their age, the first nine months of life, they want to just, just cast these people to the side. What is it that leads a person to do that. We don't find human happiness by casting other people away. We find it by opening our arms in welcome. And, and when you see how in league with the abortion industry the Democrat Party is, and when you see how in league the abortion industry is with, with, with racism and eugenics, again, you see this whole disturbing pattern 
Our friend Dinesh D'Souza has done a lot to document all this too. Remember his book and his movie, Death of a Nation? Go, go back to that and, and, and look at that. And I'm saying all this because there is a pattern. I'm saying all this because there's a disturbing effort to hush or rewrite this history. I'm saying all this because these Democrats are proud. Oh, they're proud to be Democrats. They're proud to be uh, their party. They're proud to ask for your votes, and, and they're looking for your votes. And they've got to be exposed. They've got to be exposed for who they really are. It's not the words coming out of their mouths only. Because a lot of time they'll use words that are good in and of themselves. Other times they'll use words that are downright shameful. But it's the actions. It's the policies. It's the history. Who are these people? Who, who are they? You know, you go to, uh, as you and I have sat through so many Trump rallies, and we'll be seeing more of them coming up. You know, he traces the pattern, too. He lays out how destructive this party is to America. And he says, who are these people that are so, what's the explanation for, for their behavior? and their policies that are so destructive of life, faith, freedom, the unborn, the blacks, as we just pointed out. This has got to bring us to our knees. It's got to bring us to prayer. Let's do that right now. Father, as our scripture today told us right at the start, we are of one race. As Alveda King points out, Echoing her uncle, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., echoing her dad, Reverend A.D. Williams King, echoing an entire movement, not just the civil rights movement, but every movement for human dignity and equality. We are indeed one. We are one in you, O God, and we downright oppose and utterly reject once again, in its roots and in its fruits, any policy that would discard other human beings because of some difference that they have with us. No, Lord, this is not, this is not America. And yet this is the root and heart and history and core of the Democrat Party. They can't hide their hatred for entire categories of human beings. Lord, please... We beg you tonight, as we pray for America, we ask you please tonight, set us free from the oppression of the Democrat Party. And Lord, in particular, as a religious leader myself, I pray that you free the minds and hearts of, of those religious leaders who are in bed with the Democrats. God, set them free from that terrible deception that terrible blindness. God, set them free for the sake of us all, for the sake of your church. We pray now in the words Jesus taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. Stay connected with me on social media. Join us again tomorrow night. And uh, just keep going. Keep speaking the truth. You know, some of the uh, leaders in the Catholic Church uh, threw me out of the priesthood because I say things like this against the Democrats. Well, guys, hope you're watching. Take this, put this in your pipe and smoke it. Put this in front of your eyes and read it. Put this in front of your ears and listen to it. Because I'm only going to keep repeating it, and I don't care if your ears burn off and fall to the ground. This is the truth, and it's a truth you need to face. You need to repent. You need to get on your knees before God and say, Lord, just as we said, free us. Free us from this party of death, this party of racism. Thanks, friends. Let's pray that these, uh, these folks will, will wake up to these evils, and we'll talk to you some more tomorrow. God bless. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.